Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 148. Today, we are having another expert roundtable about what do kids need? Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama mentor. I help smart, thoughtful moms stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the author of the upcoming new book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Happy New Year! Woohoo! Wish I had some sound effects. I'll snap. Woohoo! Welcome back, dear listener. I am so glad that you are here. If you are brand new to the Mindful Mama podcast, I am so glad you're here. Welcome. You picked a super cool episode to start your first Mindful Mama podcast with because this is my part two of an expert roundtable where we are going to be answering three really beautiful questions that are designed to kind of help us remember what's important. What is important when we are looking at our relationships with our kids? So yes, it's this is a really, really cool episode to listen to. And in fact, you are going to get to hear Kathy and Todd Adams, the Zen Parenting Radio podcast host, which is one of my favorites. You're going to get to hear Allison Kenevin again. 
author of Care and Keeping of Mom, Julie B. Land, again, who is an expert in highly sensitive children. And our final expert in these expert roundtable is, that's my drum roll, me, because I have some things, I have some thoughts on what do kids need and what advice we should give our younger selves too. So I am so excited for you to dive into this podcast with me. I really think of this as my gift to you. It really filled me up so much to do these interviews. And it was really just so grounding, so grounding in what's important and what's real. So I know that you are going to love this so much. Before we dive in, I just want to let you know that as of the recording of this, I have some spots left in my Mindful Mama Transformation Coaching Group that is going to run from January through May. We've already had one group completely sell out, and this group has been added on. And if you would like to work with me, if you'd like to really take those next steps to get to thriving, to get to creating the healthy habits that you want to become the parent that you want to be, to let go of those old limiting beliefs and to really master the art of skillful communication with your kids and really create incredible relationships, then I invite you to check it out. And you can learn more at mindfulmamamentor.com slash group coaching. And it's a small, intimate group, and we really get to know each other well. And I, I really, it really fills me up to do these groups and to make these incredible relationships. So learn more about it at mindfulmamamentor.com slash group coaching, and you'll learn there if there are still any spots left as of this recording. Or not this recording, this listening. You're listening to it right now in your ears, in your headphones. <laughs> All right. Well, without further ado, let's first dive into our first short interview with two of my favorite people in the world, Kathy and Todd Adams. They are, Kathy is the author of several books, including Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn. They are the co-hosts of the Zen Parenting Radio podcast, which I think is hilarious because I first found it because I was actually looking for Zen parenting, like like in the Zen tradition, <laughs> and it's not quite that. They have all this funny stuff on their their episode. They have over four hundred episodes, so check it out. Really cool, and I love them so much. So I'm so glad they could join me. Here's Kathy and Todd Adams. Kathy and Todd Adams, welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast again. <laughs> Thank you for having us again. Great to be back. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad you could be part of this. So briefly, tell us who you are for the few people who don't know. You go first, sweetie. Okay. Well, my name is Kathy. I'm a co-host of Zen Parenting Radio with my husband, Todd, here. I'm a therapist, a teacher. I'm a writer. And I love talking about self-awareness, parenting, mindfulness, very similar things to what you talk about, Hunter. Uh, I'm Todd Adams. I do the podcast with Kathy. I'm a life coach. I run a men's group. And uh, is that it? That's about it. That's it. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm so glad you could come on because for the listener who doesn't know, Todd and Kathy were like my saving grace. They have something like, you're almost close to what, 500 podcasts? Almost 500. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And so they were like my saving grace when I was a young parent and I was like working in my studio and I was going crazy and I would just listen to your podcast over and over and over again. It was oh, wonderful. Nice. It really, really helped me. So 
thinking back to that time when you were in that place of like, you were a young parent with your first kid and you were going a little crazy for both of you, what advice would you give to that younger self? I'll start. I would say, ask yourself what the definition of what it means to be a successful kid, because I think- Kid or parent? Kid. Because ah. our culture has, a, in my opinion, a warped sense of what success is. A lot of people think, oh, my kid is going to be successful if they go to Harvard or have a good job. And although if my kid stumbles into Harvard, that's fine. But the way I like to parent is we try to focus on success as being emotionally healthy, being connected to other people, to be empathic to ourselves and to other people around us. And it's not about grades and it's not about never missing a day of school and it's not about making mistakes. So that's my two cents. You know, it's, that's, that's really good. And I agree with all of that. It's funny because when I read that question, I thought about instead of like, what would I tell myself about parenting overall when I was younger? I thought more about when I was younger and I had the little kids, like there's this picture I have of me with the three girls on my lap because now they're 15 14 and 11, but there was a time when they were just three very small children on my lap. And I, I honestly look at that picture and I'm not quite sure how I did it or how we did that. You but did I, more of it. Well, I would say what I think I would tell myself is it's supposed to be hard. Mm. And I think I always thought because I had tough days that I was doing something wrong. And what I would say to myself now, if I could go back and hold my hand and I would say, yes, this is difficult. Like what you're feeling is valid rather than what you're doing is wrong. And what I find is that when I, I have clients now who are young moms and they come to me and say, I really want to learn how to not feel stressed about this, or I really want to learn how to not worry about this, or I really want to learn how to not be so, you know, involved with this. And I'm like, but that's exactly what's supposed to be happening. So it's not necessarily about you don't feel it. It's about accepting that it's normal and allowing that to go through you. And then you can also enjoy the beautiful parts too, you know, the, the fun and the laughing and the, you know, just being with little babies, which is so amazing. But I would just tell myself that you're not doing it wrong. It's just, there's, there's difficulty when the kids are really little as there are when they're older, but it's a different kind of physical, mental, lack of yeah, sleep difficulty. Different, different type of challenges. When your kids are real young, sleep deprivation is a huge part of it. When your kids get older, you get different problems. But yeah, different you're issues. rarely not as sleep deprived as you are when they're little kids. And then just getting back to what I said regarding success is because a lot of parents don't even think about it. They're too busy being in the moment, trying to put out fires and trying to do all this stuff. If you don't know what you're searching for, it's hard to get there. And if you have a goal like, you know, just to throw a topic out that sometimes is tough to manage is sexuality with your kids. If you don't have an idea of where you, what type of teaching you want to offer, offer, you know, Kathy and I just did this sex talk and we talked about how we choose to use actual body parts names instead of kind of the, what are the- More like the kiddish names. The kiddish names. And why do we do that? Because we want to basically normalize these words that we all use and know instead of like kind of dumb it down. Mm -hmm. And that's like one kind of small example of how you want to know what you're striving for. And one of the ways to do that is to compare what your actions are versus what you're hoping to do. And think about it early Yeah, when you're deciding to become a parent or when your kids are little, start thinking about those bigger things. Yeah. 
Todd, how can, I know this question isn't one I sent you, but I was wondering like, how can, how can dads support moms who are going crazy and some of them are doing too much and they're just taking too much on themselves? How can dads support those moms? I work with a lot of guys and a lot of times they'll, you know, not guys, people will get defensive whenever they feel like they're less than and they'll say, yeah, but I work really hard and I bring in all the money and I take them to t-ball and all these things. And all of a sudden they get into this idea of defending their position. And at least in my marriage, and what I say to these guys is if you're keeping score on who's doing what, you're going to lose the game. And because if I ever kept score, which I don't, I would be losing by a million. And, you know, kind of one, (laughs) one example I give is the obvious stuff. Like this child came through her body. Like I had to sit there and tell her to say push. And then this baby fed off of my daughter, or no, this baby baby. fed (laughs) off of my wife for anywhere between six months and a year and a half. Yeah, it was a year and a half. Whereas I had to go go to Subway and get food. So as guys- I don't like Subway. And I know I used that to. That was like, for him. I used to like. Subway. <laughs> I don't like Subway anymore. But but don't I go am, where your do- wife doesn't like the food. That's right. I'm like food. go go to. I, and I'm not. I'm not trying to minimize the importance of the role that dads play. And I also know that dads are sometimes the full time parent in the house, and the the wife is the one out making mm-hmm. making the money. So I'm not saying that, but more often than not, it's usually the other way around. So. Well, and it's like, I think part of, you know, the question is, it's to support the mother when she is having to kind of take on a bigger role as a parent, instead of hibernating and being like, I'm going to make all the money and you're going to do all this and we're going to separate. It's, this is a pretty big job right here that both of us need to be a part of. The best way I can be a parent right now is by listening to you and supporting you and helping you because that helps my kids. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like Todd said, I think and he tells me this more because he works with men and he hears this a lot, but I obviously, I work with women and I get this feedback from them too, is that there is a lot of almost like competition. Like, well, you're doing that, but I'm doing this and you manage that. There's like a separation rather than we're in this together. Mm-hmm. And in the early stages, it's not about just like Todd said, the men can't nurse but they can support mom or comfort her or just sit and talk to her. Or it's not always about doing, doing, doing. There's a being to it Mm -hmm. and allowing her to talk about her experiences and being there for it rather than negating it or thinking it isn't a big deal as it is. Well, one quick resource is if you go to just Google Zen Parenting Radio and emotional labor, the two words emotional Mm -hmm. labor, Mm -hmm. we have done three or four podcasts on that topic alone. And I think the reason we've done so many on it is because it's not an easy thing to get. And because it's ongoing. And it's certainly not an easy thing to put into practice. So, and there's a woman named Gemma Hartley who wrote a book called Fed Up, and she kind of encapsulates that topic in a really awesome book. So anyways. Cool. I'll definitely check that out. Good. Yeah, you're bringing me back to the days where like I would, Bill would bring me these glasses of water and then these glasses of water. And then eventually he got me like a camelback and set it up near the, on the couch. So I could just have this straw that came down all the time. Oh my God. Do you remember oh how God. thirsty we would be oh when we were nursing? So oh, you would be so thirsty. Instant, oh, that's such a memory. Instant, instant thirst. Yes. Um, so what do kids need from us? What do kids need from us? Very simple. Role model. I mean, we spend so much time 
talking about what we should be saying to our kids and we spend not nearly enough time role modeling the behavior that we want to see in our kids. It's just easier, it's safer to try to train your kids as opposed to look in the mirror and see how you can be a better version of yourself. So my answer is very simple. Just role model the behavior that you want to create in your kids. I 100% agree with that. And I would add to that to remember to see the world through our children's eyes. And I don't mean in like the cheesy way, like the magic of, you know, the holidays, that kind of stuff. I mean, like when they're telling you something through their behavior or through their words that they're struggling with to believe them and to honor that that is the experience they're having rather than when they're older, telling them why they, you know, need to be feeling it differently or seeing it differently, or that you actually, they don't even know what responsibility means. You know, the kind of things we try and teach through this kind of comparison rather than acknowledging their experience. And, you know, I even remember Hunter, you know, being in a class once with my, with my oldest daughter now, but she was a baby and it was like a playgroup class. And we were all supposed to walk in a circle holding hands and some of the kids could walk and some of them couldn't. And I remember some of the moms being like annoyed at their baby because they couldn't walk yet and like holding them up and saying, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. Look at everybody else. And being like, wow, this starts early. You know, this kind of like the experience I want you to have is the one I want to have rather than I'm going to support you in your experience. I'm going to make you live my experience. Mm. And that's probably the most harsh version, you know, and again, the, the parents at that moment, they weren't trying to hurt their children. Intention is good. No, the inten- they're, they're trying to say, come along, you can do this, look around. Like their, their heart is in the right place. But what's misunderstood is that our job is not to make them something. Our job is to be with them as they grow into who they are. And once a mom or a dad has that awareness, a lot of times they'll they'll spiral sometimes into feeling really guilty and shameful about that. And that's just a complete waste of energy. Just know that once you know better, you do better. That's it. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of partnering with our kids, kind of Mm -hmm. saying, "This this is where you are. I'm here to support you and partner with you as you sort of go along. And I'm here to live well. And show yes. you how to live well, show you how to communicate well, show you how to get your needs met in a skillful way. Yes. Rather than all the unskillful ways they do it. Right. Well, and not only, that, not only that, you got, we got to learn from our kids. Like our kids are our mirrors. Like if something that they do pisses us off, it's because there's some part of us that is unresolved. And kids are masters at showing you the ugliest part of yourself. And we also have something to learn from our kids. I always use this example, but my daughter, who is now 11, she's just much better at cultivating presence and mindfulness than I am. I think the older we get, the harder it is to maintain that until maybe we figure out like, oh yeah, I'm completely not present. But the way she walks down the street, she's looking at the trees, she's looking at the sky, she's looking at the ground, she's looking at things walking around where I'm trying to get to where I want to go. Um, so they're masters at presence, especially when they're really young. So, And even part of the role modeling that Todd mentioned, and it's, it's helpful because we have three children and they're all so different, but we demonstrate our way of living authentically and then give them the space to live their way, you know, of living authentically, meaning our path may not be their path and my oldest daughter's path may not be my youngest daughter's path. And that there is no absolute way, or I'm putting this in air quotes, right way. There is just our way. 
and that we can demonstrate a certain skill set in a certain way, but we also have to remember that they're not just learning how to be little us, in mm-hmm. you know, little me's. They're learning how to live their life through us living our life. That the deeper message is not do exactly what I do, but go out and live and enjoy. Well, and one of the many examples I can give in that regard is that I took Spanish in high school, through high school, and then into college because there's more Spanish-speaking people than any other language aside from English in our country. And my, my oldest daughter took Spanish fourth and fifth grade, and then she took French sixth, seventh, and eighth, and now she's taking Italian in high school. And I'm like, pick a lane, kid. Like, figure out what you want. But it's not my journey. It's hers. She wants to, maybe gonna, as Kathy says, maybe she's going to meet her best friend in an Italian class junior year high school. Or maybe she's going to learn all three languages going forward as an adult. Like, what do I know? So, like, forget you know everything. That's That's the bottom line. Quit knowing knowing. Oh, I love it. So many wisdom bombs just dropped on us. So, so beautiful. Thank you so much, Kathy and Todd. I I really appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate your podcast. Zen Parenting Radio is just wonderful. I recommend it all the time. So um, thanks. Thanks again for coming on. Wasn't that wonderful? I love Kathy and Todd. They really bring it home. You know, we model, we must live what we want our kids to learn. And you can hear more of Kathy and Todd in Mindful Mama podcast episode number 106, How to Be a Zen Parent. We are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. I highly recommend this podcast. It's really wonderful, especially if you have kids like around like six plus, but it can totally be enjoyed by the whole family. So I listened to the episode, The Pirate Queen, and you're just dropped right in the middle of the action. People are fighting. There's sword fight. And then these kids, they've gone on a time travel mission and they have to solve problems in the midst of it. And it really just like exemplifies everything we support here at Mindful Parenting. You know, kids who are adventurous, doing things on the world, they're capable. And then they do things like they have to do math, they have to think critically, they have to code break and pattern solving and all this great stuff. Beyond just the Pirate Queen episode, which I highly recommend, episodes transport listeners to moments in history, too, like Pythagoras, Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. So jump in with your family. Follow the adventures of Max and Molly on an adventure through time with puzzles and hidden equations and laughs. And it really does make learning really fun and really cool. Perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids, and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. 
And the season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. Our next guest is the wonderful, totally beautiful. It's It was so funny because sitting down in a video conference to talk to this guest is like so intimidating because she's so beautiful. But Allison Kenavan is an incredible wellness teacher, mindfulness guide, and she's the author of the book, Care and Keeping of Mom. And you can hear my interview with her in Mindful Mama podcast episode 134. But why don't you just join me now as I sit down at the table with Allison Kenavan. Allison, thank you so much for coming back on the Mindful Mama podcast. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm thrilled. <laughs> well, I had a great time talking to you last time, and I'm so excited to see what you have to offer for this. I've been asking everyone to think back to when, and this is going to be great for you because this is what <laughs> your book was all about, Minding Mom, but thinking about back to when you were a young mom and you were struggling and what advice would you give to yourself back then? To myself, you've got this. Trust your instinct. Mm. Like that is the most important thing. Everything from marketing, commercialism, in-laws, friends, everybody who has an opinion when everyone has a baby. It's funny, isn't it? You have a baby and everybody has an opinion. Don't do this. Do that. Don't do that. You're doing that the right way. You're doing that the wrong way. The baby should be in bed by now. What are you doing feeding the baby that way? That's not a baby. The way it's, it's almost overwhelming. And we are pulled so far away from who we really are when we have a new baby. And we need to stop and take a breath because I believe every single human being, but especially new moms, have such strong instincts, but we don't trust them. We don't trust them because we're taught not to. That's how people yeah. make money off us. Come on. Like people, if, if we trusted our instinct, we wouldn't feel the need to buy 75,000 billion products that, you know, kids were reared without years ago. I mean, you know, if you have a new baby nowadays, it takes you about two hours to get out of the house, you know, with all the <laughs> stuff that we think we need. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's really important, you know, I, for everybody just to, to reconnect with yourself um, and ask yourself, how am I feeling right now? How am I feeling right now? And that question shouldn't be answered quickly. I always say to people, a lot of people answer that question really quickly and they say to me, oh yeah, I feel good. I'm like, no, no, no. You couldn't possibly know how you feel if you've answered the question in two, in two seconds. And just stop and take a break and, and really settle into your body and just say, how am I feeling right now? Mm -hmm. And when you're a new mom, when you do that, it gives you a sense of power back. You know, how am I feeling? How is my baby doing? As a new mom, you know best. Everybody will try to give you their opinion. Mm -hmm. But you'll soon quickly get to know that you know your baby's cries. Like, you know yourself, you know. You get to know the baby 
if it's a tired cry, if it's a hungry cry. And that sounds almost unbelievable to someone who doesn't have a child or who's maybe a brand new mother. But when you kind of really become attuned to your baby, you will start to get to know them and their cues and their cries. But that takes time and presence. Yeah. You know, so, so kind of like reaching into your body, you're saying yes. like yeah. in your body, feel in your body. What does this feel like? Yeah. What, what can we really sense into this more and than it just is. reach for the quick answer? And if we look at our, our children, like when they're young, they actually work off their senses. They, they're not in the mind like we are, like we're fully in the mind, which is not where we're supposed to be as a human being, you know? So we're disconnected from our heart. We're disconnected from our body. Um, we're fully in our brain, actually, because like, even Dan Siegel would say, like, the mind is bigger than the brain. Mm-hmm. It does encompass the whole of the body, you know, because it, it incorporates the emotions as well. And when we reconnect with that, it sounds almost so simple, it's stupid. That's the thing. That's when you say things like this, people go, oh, come on, really? Like, with how I'm feeling? But just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Mm-hmm. This is the thing. This is the thing with mindfulness. And I always come across this challenge teach as a mindfulness teacher. Yeah. People are like, it just sounds too simple. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, but it's simple, but it's not easy. It's, it's not easy to turn up for yourself every day and take small moments off and, and connect with yourself and take a breath. And most of us don't do it because we don't have any faith that it would work. So then we go back into the outside world and go, there must be something I can buy. There must be something mm-hmm. I can acquire. There must be something out there that can help me because that's how we're programmed. So we need to deprogram ourselves away from the commercialism of parenting. Parenting is not something that's commercial. It's something that comes from within. It's very different. And we've been taught that we need to buy all the things to make us good parents. It's like, we don't need any of that stuff. Our kids just need us. And one of the things I've been teaching an awful lot lately People are always kind of saying they have no time. It's this myth of having no time. You know, this is another commercialism thing. You know, we have no time. I'm like, it's funny though. We make time for what's important. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, we all seem to make time for what's important. But if we are giving people and our children our time, why not give them our presence? Mm -hmm. The two different things. Why not? Very often. Yeah. Very often (laughs) parents are with their kids, but they're not giving their presence. So they're giving their time, but not their presence. And they're two completely different things. So even in the holiday season and coming into the new year, if you have a half an hour when you come in from work to spend with your kid before they go to bed, give them your presence, not just your time. Yeah. You know, don't be distracted about, I have to make dinner, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to organize this for tomorrow. And it is a practice and you do have to catch yourself. And I currently have an eight-year-old who catches me multiple times a day and says, mommy, put down the phone. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Mommy, and I, I actually dread the day that he doesn't say that. Yeah. Because he's my little mentor, you know, where I'm like, gosh, thanks, James. Yes, mommy was on the phone a lot. And what I've decided to do in the evenings is put my phone in another room and put it away. Because when it's on the table, I pick it up unconsciously. Yeah. Like we're sitting, yeah. we're reading a book, we're watching the TV. And the next minute I see my hand go and pick up the phone. And I'm like, and the next minute I'm scrolling through something. And James says, what are you doing? I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't know. And I'm not looking at anything and I'm not looking for something. It's just a habit. Mm -hmm. So the only way for me to get around that habit is to get the phone away into a bag, into another room, 
don't have it in the bedroom at night. So it don't look at it first thing in the morning. And you do actually have to do kind of dramatic things like that in today's modern world so that we're not constantly distracted. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're young, your kids are young and you're saying, give them your presence, not just your time. Like sometimes when, you know, I have my daughters are almost 12 and almost nine now, Mm. you know, when they're young, they just want you so desperately. And when they're like almost nine and almost 11, they're kind of like, what ofs mom, you know, like they don't want so much of you. And so I I just want to put out out that reminder that this doesn't last that long, Mm -hmm. that they want you, your attention so much. I mean, they want it in different ways now, but so there's something beautiful about that in some ways. So, so I love that. Like you've got this trust your instinct, Mm -hmm. but be cultivate that quiet so that you can really sense into what is that instinct and things like that. So that I think you were kind of talking about like being present, but the next question, like, what do kids need from us? They need our presence. Yeah. They, you see, kids copy us. Kids copy us. And mm-hmm. it's interesting that it, for the last while, I've been doing a mindful moment on my Instagram live every day. And James asked me, could he join in? And I said, sure. Oh, I um, saw that, by the way. I happened yeah. to catch that. Yeah. <laughs> I, before we went down one day, I said, do you want to give it a go? He said, absolutely. No way, mom. No way. And he kind of got a bit like mad at me, like for even suggesting it. And then organically, when we were doing it, I said, do you want to do it? And he kind of said, yes. And I closed my eyes and went along with it. And I did have to stop myself from nearly bursting out laughing because I was so shocked at how good he was. I've never taught him any of this. You know, he's kind of just been brought up with a mom who meditates every day. And this is what he sees and what he lives with. But I was blown away by how natural it was for him how natural it was for him to guide me and tell me to breathe in and out and everything. And I thought to myself, don't laugh, because if you laugh, he's never going to do it again. You know, because I'm not laughing because it's funny. I was more laughing out of, wow, I can't believe this kid has picked this up, you know, Uh, which really showed me the power of they copy everything we do. You know, all I do all day long is go into mindful moments and say, I'm taking 10 minutes for mindfulness break and meditation. I sit in the couch and do it. And he has picked that up. Like he's not afraid of silence. He's not afraid to take a pause. He's not afraid to guide. I mean, to me, that was just miraculous, you know, to witness that. Um, And it also showed me what's possible. So sometimes we don't have to keep drumming things into our kids. Mm. We need to be more mindful of how we're living Um, because they watch it. They watch everything. They pick up on everything. So how we live is how they're going to live. The habits we have every day are the habits they're going to have. Like I always say to people who come to me and say, I can't get my kids to eat vegetables. I'm like, do you eat vegetables? No. <laughs> so don't expect them to do what you wouldn't do yourself. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, a, it's really important. So many people try to make their kids do things that they would never do. Yeah. Let me teach you this mindfulness thing yeah. so you can regulate your emotions so that I will feel better. <laughs> and it's like about ego you know we want to sort of like make our child into something to Mm. gratify us but but it really all turns back to us like we have to do Mm. that work you know if that's what that is to you know if we're going to all that send our kid to mindfulness classes but we're not practicing mindfulness ourselves and you see the whole thing about mindfulness is reading about mindfulness and living mindfully and experiencing Mm -hmm. mindfulness are completely different things Mm -hmm. you know um It's kind of, there's so much self-help out there and you have people reading books and watching YouTube videos and doing all of that and spending so much time doing that, but not putting any of it into action or living it. And I think that's the next step. I'm like, nothing works unless you do it. (laughs) 
like nothing. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just I, not going to happen. You know, <laughs> I read about I read about mindfulness for like ten years before yeah. I was able to finally able to do it. Um, you and you know, it, was, it, made, it was huge. It was an amazing yeah. difference. It made all the difference in the world to actually do it. And you know what? We're all guilty <laughs> of that. Like I think. I think you go through so many different phases when you start to wake up and change your life. Like there's definitely the evangelical phase of mindfulness, you know, where you're kind of preaching about it and you want to go out and tell everybody, everybody about what you're doing. There's so many different moments that you go through, you know, and, and then you just settle into a way of life. And that's when the beauty really comes into it. It just becomes a way of life. Like I always say, I remember Matthew Brensilver was lecturing us in UCLA and he was so funny. And if ever you were to listen to anybody who embodied their practice, it was him. What an extraordinary teacher. And he said, you know, day one of my mindfulness, it was like a, a circus gone wrong in my head. It was complete bedlam. And he's like, day 156, exactly the same. And we just all burst out laughing. And he said, complete bedlam. But that is the beauty of the practice. You know, it's, you're not trying to get anywhere. You're not trying to achieve some kind of perfect balance. You're not trying to clear your mind or, 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 you know, change your thoughts to only good ones. You're just observing what's going on. That's it. That's all you're doing, observing what's going on. But the power that that gives you is the power of choice to actually watch what you're doing, what choices you're making how you're living, how you show up for yourself. And the more that you do that and the more your awareness grows, the greater the agent for change that that becomes. So if you want to start changing how you're living, you have to become aware of how you're living. Mm-hmm. And, and then these habits that we create every day are the habits that we will then give our kids. And what better yeah. thing to give our kids than awareness, Awareness, you know, yeah. Roundedness, uh, the ability to bounce back quicker from, from all our, our challenges. And for me, like people say to me, you know, how are you in recovery so long this time? And it seems to be easy. How are you doing this? And I'm like, I work at it. And I, I always say that that word work, a lot of people have a negative connotation to work because they think work, it must be hard. It must be laborious, you know, because a lot of people are in jobs they don't hate. So the word work has a very <laughs> negative kind of feeling about it. But to me, how I live brings so much beauty and peace into my life that, you know, I don't mind the tough times as much. You know, I used to try and get around the tough times. I used to try and avoid the tough times. Now I'm almost like a masochist. I just push right through them (laughs) because I'm like, I have to get through it anyway. So I might as well just push right through and and learn from whatever is happening. Uh, And it's given me a great, the great gift of acceptance. You know, being more mindful is like, I can now accept whatever happens every day with grace because that's very important, you know, because it's the place of non-acceptance, which I was in for a long time, leads us down the path of avoidance and into things like addiction and, you know, just not being connected to ourselves. So I always say to people, it is simple, it's not easy, and you can't just decide to experience the good things in life, but that's just part of being a human being and you're going to have to go through everything anyway so it's your choice whether you want to do it in awareness or not that's all you know whether you want to be present for it and aware or whether you want to you know not be present and that is your choice that's the choice you have for living 
Mm, I love it. I think we're going to end it right there with the, those lovely words of wisdom. Allison, I love that so much. So thank you so much for, for doing for this quick interview with mm. us. And, and, and where can people find out more about you? Sure. My website is alisoncanavan.com. So come check us out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Allison. And, and I'm wishing you a beautiful, beautiful season. And I really appreciate the work that you do in the world. And I appreciate you coming back and connecting and with us. And to you. Here. Thank you so much for having me, Hunter. Thank you. I love that. How Allison would say, you got this. Trust your instinct. That's so cool, right? We need to quiet ourselves to see who we really are to really touch that the truth of who we are beyond that role who are we really so so beautiful again you can hear my full conversation with allison in episode number 134 care and keeping of mum and my next guest is i find her so soothing to listen to she is an author of several books and courses on taking care of highly sensitive people and this has been a podcast so many people have talked to me about in fact the other day as i was walking up to my library i had this handsome gentleman stop me and say hunter clark fields and I was like, huh? And he said, I listened to your podcast. And I was like, oh, so shout out to you, Jason. And he had just been listening to Julie B. Land's podcast, number 135, Is Your Hot Child Highly Sensitive? Really, really valuable. So come sit down at the table with me as I talk to Julie B. Land about these questions. Julie, thank you so much for coming back to the Mindful Mama podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I think this is such a great idea. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been so fun to to talk to everybody. So, would you please remind everyone who you are? Give us a brief introduction. Oh, sure. I'm Julie Bieland, and I'm a psychotherapist that specializes in the highly sensitive person. And uh, that's been a real passion and mission of mine to spread awareness and education about the trait. Yes, yes. Your episode, your podcast episode, which will mention the number at the end of this interview, is has been one people talk to me so much about. They, it's been, it was really eye opening for a lot of people. Oh, that's so fantastic! I love hearing that, and and just hearing different stories from people about my books and stuff and how it's helped them. It's it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, you're really doing amazing work in the world, which I I really appreciate, and so many people do too. So. Thinking back to when you were a young parent, Julie, beyond though, I think you don't have any kids, right? No, I do. Yeah. I have oh, a, That's right. two highly sensitive <laughs> sons. Yes. And they're, my oldest is, he's almost 17 and my youngest just turned 15. Oh, yes, yes. I was confusing you with someone else. So you're in those those teen years. So you're going to have to think back pretty far. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so when you were back when your oldest was young, or maybe when your, your youngest and your oldest were young, and you were in a point, you know, you were at that point of struggling and kind of pulling your hair out. What advice would you go back and give that younger you if you could? Well, I just love this question. I would worry less for one thing, <laughs> because I think uh, having, you know, introverted, highly sensitive kids, there was a lot of pressure about, you know, extroversion kind of being the, 
one that, you know, we're as a society and sometimes we're kind of pushing for that. And I think a lot of parents with introverted, sensitive kids feel that kind of pressure. And I think I would have, I would have worried a lot less about it. The things that I worried about really work themselves out. Like, you know, now that they're teenagers, they're able to, they do great. They can talk to people, <laughs> they can talk to adults. And I would also take care of myself more. And I think that's a, just a general statement for parents is just do a lot more self-care to take care of you through those years. Were you kind of struck by the mommy martyr bug when your kids were little? I think every parent is, you know, there's, there's always that, am I doing enough? Am I being enough? All, all of that is there. And I think just being that present mom and being clear about what's your priority as a parent? Like if you look back on yourself as a parent, what would have been really important to you? And I think kind of being really intentional and conscious about that really helps because then you can kind of even start, I still do that to this day, being a working mom too, is I wake up and I think about what's my priority today. And so that I keep that in my vision for that day. Mm -hmm. So you talk about to the moms and the parents that, uh, you know, to take care of yourself and to, that you're saying, make yourself more of a priority? Yes, definitely. Because if you're a burnt out, depleted, exhausted mom, just overgiving, you're not going to be the kind of mom you want to be. You're going to be more irritable, more, less present and less focused. And I think that if you take care of you, you're also role modeling that for your kids. And if you take care of you, you get to be in a more centered place. And I think that's so important for patience and everything that we need to be as a mom. That's just like, if you can start from a place of being centered as often as you can, that that's going to impact everything in a positive way. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more as you know, Julie. So worry less, tell yourself to worry less, take more care of yourself and kind of worry less about them, right? Is your, what you're saying, kind of like stop, try to, try to chill out on the like, oh my gosh, my toddler hit his brother. He's going to be a psychopath. Kind of stuff. <laughs> I was even thinking about things like, you know, I used to worry about, say we'd go to a birthday party or a playground or something and you'd see the kind of the extroverted kids just dive in and do stuff. And, you know, there was a part of me when I was raising, before I even knew a lot about the trait at that time, was like, oh, is that, is that going to be okay that my kid is not doing that, you know, or that they take longer to warm up with someone or they want to observe for a while. And, and there was that pull of like, is that okay? Is that okay? And yes, let me tell all the moms out there with, you know, introverted, sensitive kids that is totally okay. Let them be who they are and we need them in the world exactly as they are. And they develop the skills they need to. And I think if I knew that, I could have worried less, you know? Mm-hmm. So so that that's cool because that brings us to the, the next question. Thinking, and I'm going to think, ask you, Julie, of course, what do, what do those highly sensitive kids, what do they need from us? They need, one of the things that comes up a lot that I'm recognizing is they need validation and normalization of their emotions, what they're experiencing. 
because they they feel things so strongly, it's it's common for moms or parents to kind of jump in and go, oh, you know, you sh- you shouldn't feel that way, if, you know, kind of a kind of is coming from a place of wanting to help, but then we're in a way we're invalidating the emotion. So I think that's super important. In addition, just you know, a, a general sense of love and understanding, presence. I think being really present as a parent so that you can follow the and honor the values that you have as a person and as a family and being authentic with your kids. That's a, what do I you think that's that? important. Authentic. Being real, like, you know, talking about like, if you're not hiding, if you if, like, if you cry about something or something's impacting you, not to hide those feelings, but to share them and share how you cope and what you do to soothe yourself and to take care of yourself and to really normalize and those feelings and those strong emotions, being able to be you in the world and allowing them to be them in the world, kind of supporting who they are and even the, you know, the the unique parts of them. And I love like seeing my boys now, like they just own who they are. And I love that because I was definitely not like that as a teen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You don't see a lot of teens like that. I mean, maybe it's because we are all kind of, we grew up and we were, you know, we think that we're giving our kids unconditional love, but sometimes it's like, I love you when you're good. And then I really don't like you when you're whiny and I don't love you when you're, when you're a brat. Oh, that word brat is a tough one for me. I remember hearing that one, or at least it's not that the parents don't love them, but it's just, that's how the kid child receives it. Like, I don't love you when you're not being, you know, maybe in that, in the case of an introverted kid, not being extroverted and kind of being shy and unusual, right? That's how kids take it, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You know, it makes me think about, I heard this once and it really impacted me as a parent that when your kids walk into the room that you're in, do they see you light up or do they see you have instant judgment about something? Mm. Great I think I think that's very powerful. You know, I think separating out behavior from who they are, like if that's that's such an important piece that even if you're talking about the rules of the family or something. I, I, I t- took a real collaborative approach to, I think that's a lot better than, especially for sensitive kids. They, they don't do well with an authoritarian parenting style. So that impacted me a lot. Like, you know, when they walk in the room, cause that's not something necessarily I felt as a kid. And I, I love that they feel that, that they feel that from me when they walk in a room. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilled Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. 
The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Mm, Yeah, when my girls get off the bus at the end of the day, I always like stop my work around 3.30 and I walk up to the bus stop And when they get off of the bus at the end of the day, it's always like big arms open. And I say, I am so glad to see you. And I really mean it. You know, I'm glad, so glad to see you. Yeah. How wonderful, right? I mean, to be raised in the world, feeling that from your mom, that's, that's really beautiful. Mm, Thank you, Julie. I think it gives you kind of a wonderful foundation. Sometimes I think of it as, you know, our kids, they need that nurturing, warm nest to kind of come home to mm-hmm. and that allows them to be able to fly out in the world even further because they know that they can come back to that nest. And when they when they have that what you talked go, going back to what you said initially that that validation and normalization of what they're feeling if they're not feeling bad for you know if they're not shooting that second arrow they're feeling bad for the feeling having their bad feelings right <laughs> you know like yeah. if they're not if they're not they're not feeling wrong in some way for being upset or, or whatever sad or whatever they're feeling, then, then those challenging feelings, then they're going to pass more quickly anyway. Right. Oh, absolutely. That's such a great point to make. Cause if we're feeling like there's something wrong with how we're feeling, that feeling actually intensifies and magnifies. So being able to just kind of hold that space and be like, yeah, I can understand that feeling, you know, with validation. I love it's like, it makes sense to me that you feel that way. That's a great sentence for validation. Um, And just giving them that sense that around any kind of emotion, because then they're also free to uh, express and share who they are in the world and not have to hide or put masks on in the world. Like, like I did. <laughs> so it takes a, it's a lot harder to learn how to take a mask off than it is to not put it on in the first place. So I think that's using that space for them. It's just, it's a beautiful thing, especially for sensitive kids. So I guess my last question is sort of, how do we do that? How do we give them validation? How do we give them normalization? But it sounds like you, you've answered that, you know, in some ways, like you be you, you let them be them. And we kind of have to catch ourselves in the, in the judgment. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And I think um, it can come up in lots of different ways. Like if we're role modeling our own self-love and self-acceptance, our, our children learn that. If we're role modeling, you know, self-hatred, like if we're not liking stuff about ourselves and we're making those comments all the time, that's what they're hearing and learning. 
But that's why I think as a mom, we need to do our own work around that to be able to reach those places of self-love, self-acceptance. And I think, um, especially for the sensitive kids, having really clear expectations that you've talked to them about and they're already hard on themselves about mistakes and they don't need most of them don't need um, you to be even harder on them so I would take approaches of like hey this this kind of looks like this slip in a little bit let's let's talk about how we can make that work a little bit better or maybe I even expressed you know this is really important to me that that this is part of our rules for example and and why explaining the why is also really helpful because they just have this enormous ability to grasp even young sensitive kids can grasp that stuff really young and you know consistency that they know what to expect and I think that's important to hold that kind of a a safe container for them Mm. and being I kind of call it conscious parenting Mm. you know conscious parenting is not accidental parenting it's like being really clear about the kind of parent you want to be and what that looks like in your family. Yeah, I like that. Not accidental because that's kind of, that's kind of how we do it, isn't it? We kind of get a little accidental sometimes. <laughs> Especially if we're ourselves struggling and, you know, barely getting through the day. So if that's the, where it comes in, important to take care of you as a mom so that you can be a conscious parent. Yeah, yeah. Well, Julie, I you know, it's amazing. I find it I find it really soothing to talk to you. You have such a great presence. Just your voice I find so soothing. So I know the listener, I'm sure, finds that that soothing too. This has been so lovely. I really appreciate it. Um just quickly, I give a shout out for your new book. Julie has a new book. Yes. Well, thank you. Well, thanks for what you said. That's <laughs> very sweet. <laughs> yes. Isn't Julie wonderful? I love what she says about be real. You be you and let them be them. That's so beautiful. I love that. And I couldn't agree more. So that leaves us with our final expert interview. And that's with me. I'm going to interview myself. Actually, it took me a long time to think of myself this way. I as someone who struggled so much with parenting when my kids were young, it took me a long time to realize that I had something important to bring to the conversation and to help people with. And because I really do think, I really realize now that because I know how hard it was, because this wasn't naturally easy for me, because I struggled so much, that really helps me teach these things better to people who are struggling in my mindful parenting course. But these are questions that really bring us back to what's important. So so would I give my younger self? You know, I struggled so much. I think I was afraid to learn in some ways. Like I was afraid to be overwhelmed and afraid to think that I didn't know what was going on. And so in some ways, I was afraid to learn. So my advice to my younger self would be to get help sooner, to don't think that I can do it all alone, to really learn and study how to communicate earlier. I mean, I would give this advice to my younger self, but if I didn't hadn't messed up in the ways I had messed up, I would have never made the mindful parenting course. But 
let's just imagine anyway, like that's what I would actually tell my younger self is to kind of learn and study and get help from experts to, to do this because we can't do it all alone. And it's not just instinctual that I'm going to know what to do. And I think that's what I thought that it was just instinctual and I would know what to do. It's kind of like with my first childbirth, people told me, oh, you're going to be such a childbirth is going to be so great, easy for you because you practice yoga and you teach yoga. And I thought, okay. And my kind of way of thinking about it was like, well, if I'm going <laughs> to if I'm going to jump off a cliff, don't think about it too much ahead of time. And really, that was the wrong way to go. And in fact, it really does help to prepare. It really does help to learn. It really does help to study, to learn more about children. And so that's the advice I would give my younger self is to get help sooner, to learn sooner how to communicate better. Because my you know, skills in communication weren't so great. I kind of had that, you know, I would bark orders at kids just like most of the world does and get all the resistance. And thank goodness for my highly sensitive daughter who wouldn't take that from me and pushed back hard. And it was a real challenge. It was a huge challenge, but I'm so grateful for that challenge because it made me learn so much. And so I'm grateful for my oldest daughter, Maggie, and I'm grateful for those challenges to have helped me learn so much. But that's what I would do is not think I can do it all alone and, and sit, say to myself, it's not instinctual. Like, yes, there's real stuff you have to learn. And that's that doesn't mean anything wrong about you. It just means you have stuff to learn. Dear younger hunter. And then what do kids need? And I really think beyond, again, like the basics, like healthy food and nourishment for their bodies and their minds and things, I think they really in safety, right? Those are the basics. So so kind of beyond the basics of safety and healthy, nourishing food and education, things like that, right? I, I think from us, kids need unconditional love. They need unconditional love. They need to know they are loved no matter what. And so not that I love you when you're good and I act like I don't love you when you're bad, but I love and accept you no matter what. Unconditional love. I really think kids really, really need this. And we, we really don't give it that well. You know, I think our love is conditional sometimes. We, if we're really honest with ourselves. I think they need unconditional love and support in regulating their emotions and healthy boundaries. So three things, unconditional love, support in regulating their emotions, and healthy boundaries. So how do we give that? Unconditional love is the big one, right? We give this by accepting our own and our kids' big feelings, accepting our anger, accepting our sadness, our anxiety, accepting our kids' anger, fear, anxiety, and sadness, accepting all of those feelings and letting them be normal, letting them be okay, letting it be okay that your toddler flies into a rage. That's okay. That's actually normal and fine. And to be able to accept our kids' big feelings shows them unconditional love. I love you no matter what. And that's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. That's why we need to go back to our our own mindful self-care and, and all of those things that I teach in mindful parenting in my coaching groups. But we really have to, to give unconditional love. We have to love ourselves. 
We have to love ourselves. We have to forgive ourselves. We have to forgive ourselves for the ways we've messed up and forgive our parents and see that all of us suffer. We all suffer. Every single person. It's not easy to be a person on this earth. We all suffer. Kids have stress. Parents have stress. Every single person has stress and difficulty and suffers. So can we move away from judgment and really move towards forgiveness for ourselves, for others, for our kids, for our parents, for the generations, right? So as we can love ourselves, accept ourselves, and do this forgiveness work, wow, you know, we can, we can see that we don't have to be perfect. This is, this is how we give unconditional love. And then how do we help them regulate, you know, give them that support in regulating their emotions. Well, we model it. You know, we we learn how to take care of our own big feelings. We demonstrate for them how to take care of our ourselves when we're we're scared or fearful or angry or sad. We're real, basically, like Julie B. Ellen said, like we're we're real and authentic. We we show them how to take care of our feelings. We demonstrate it our, ourselves and we talk about it. We talk about our feelings. We normalize it. We don't make some feelings bad. This is how we help them regulate their feelings is we show them. And then we can help them in other ways if they're open to that, like books and materials, supports and things like that. But we really help them. Actually, there's some materials that I really like. I have a link to on the mindfulmamamentor.com slash resources page where Generation Mindful has made some great resources for helping kids regulate their emotions. But I really think that some of the best ways we can do that is just ourselves, just by modeling that, living that, right? And then the third thing I think that kids need are healthy boundaries, Kids need to realize that their behavior affects the people around them. We need to, as parents, make sure our own needs get met and learn skillful communication to set boundaries. When we can, we can set boundaries without shame and blame and causing resistance, right? We can do that. It's possible. There are tools out there. That's what we teach in mindful parenting. So setting healthy boundaries. Kids, kids need to you know, they're immature and they have all these crazy things. You know, they need boundaries around screen time, around their routines, around their behaviors, all kinds of things, around their stuff, all this kind of stuff. So we need to set those healthy boundaries and we can set those healthy boundaries without using fear and blame and punishment. We can set those healthy boundaries and get our own needs met using skillful communication. And to have healthy boundaries, it really, really helps to simplify, to slow down, and to have routines. So that's what I think kids need and what I what advice I would give to my younger self to get help sooner. So what advice would you give to your younger self? I would love for you to be part of the conversation we're having in our private Facebook group, the Mindful Mama Tribe. And you can learn more about that when you sign up on the mailing list at mindfulmamamentor.com. You can learn more about it and join the conversation. I would love for you to do that. This has been so fun to do these to do these episodes. I've really, really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed connecting this year. This has been an amazing year. I'll be putting out an email soon with the top 10 episodes from 2018. So you can be sure to listen to those episodes. 
And I want to thank you for coming, for coming out and sharing your ears with me, for spending this time with me. And I want to let you know that the Mindful Mama podcast, we, I purposely don't take any advertisers at the moment. And, but it costs money to put out this podcast. So I have a team of people who work to do this and we do it because we love it, but I can't pay my team in, in love and gratitude. And so it takes, it takes resources to do this. And so when you join the programs or, or take the course and things like that, you support the podcast. But if that's not for you, that's okay. I still want your ears. Still so glad you're here, but maybe you can pay it forward and help support the podcast by sharing it. And that really makes a huge difference when you share it with your friends and share it with the people you love, share it on your on your Instagram and your Facebook and things like that. That That is a great way to support the podcast and the work that my team does to bring this to you every week. So again, thank you so much for listening. I may have space in my group coaching program, the Mindful Mama Transformation Coaching Group. You can learn more about that at mindfulmamamentor.com slash group coaching. So if you'd like to talk to me about that, please do let me know. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash group coaching. And I wish you a happy new year if you're listening to this in real time. I wish you a beautiful week. I can't wait to hang out with you, bring you another amazing year of podcasts. I love this medium. I love that we get to connect this way. I wish for you this week that you get to take what you've heard today with these most important things, right? Like what do children need and and what advice would we give our younger selves? Take these things and and see your children with fresh eyes. See yourself with fresh eyes. Look at yourself anew. Give yourself permission to begin anew, to take. Sometimes we want everything to change, but we take the same old actions. So do something different this week. Take a different action. Get the support you need. And when you see your kids next, after you listen to this, let your eyes just light up with love. Let your eyes light up with love and see them and say, I'm so happy to see you and just be there, be present with them and let them see your light. Let them see you, who you are beyond that role of mom or dad. And I wish you a beautiful week. I'm going to go off right now and do that for my kids. So I'm wishing you a beautiful week, my friend. I can't wait to talk to you again next week and throughout 2019. Holy schmoly. Please reach out if you would like to connect with me. I always love connecting and I'm wishing you a beautiful week, my friend. Namaste. Are you a mom who wants to feel less stressed and enjoy motherhood more? Do you want to be calmer with your kids and be more present for all of your life? I'm a mom who has gone from really being stressed and yelling when my kids were young to be having a more grounded, more at ease relationship with life and having more enjoyable, cooperative relationships with my kids. And I've shown hundreds and thousands of women around the world how to do this. And I want to show you how to do it too. So if you are currently feeling stuck or stagnant, this is definitely for you. I've created a free downloadable audible training, Mindfulness for Moms, the superpower you need. And it will show you how to respond rather than react, how to let go of stress and feel more grounded in seconds, how to have a smoother day today and be 
become more present for your kids for a lifetime. To get on on this audio training absolutely free, simply visit the website www.mindfulmomguide.com. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.